0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I've been thinking about Joseph's failure to make reservations. Been thinking about the nameless and much maligned innkeeper. While it makes for a great birth story, the lowly manger the hay, the animals, the humble shepherds, the star. It's also the very first lesson of the nativity, Jesus' first teaching, make room. Making room might begin with offering a place at the table, the Thanksgiving table in the case of Wanda Dench, who in 2016 texted her grandchildren an invitation to dinner and, let me know if you're coming, but accidentally invited a stranger. Who is this? 17-year-old Jamal Hinton texted back. Your grandma, came the reply, accompanied by the emoji of the white grandma with the blonde bun. Jamal, who is African-American, texted back a picture of himself, and there was an LOL at the mistake. Can I still get a plate, though? Jamal asked. Of course you can, Grandma Wanda replied. That's what grandmas do feed everyone. And he went. And he returned the next year and brought his girlfriend, Michaela, spending half of Thanksgiving Day with his original family and half with his newfound family. By then, Wanda and Jamal had been texting back and forth and meeting for dinner every few months. Gaining a new grandma as a friend, he says, it's great. This year, the two families are together. They were together at one table. Randall Bourgoin, the grandson for whom that original text was intended, says, now my grandma's everyone's grandma. They're already planning next Thanksgiving all together. Jamal thinks he'd like to host. Make room. After a series of terrorist attacks rocked Paris three years ago, French journalist Sylvain Laproix tweeted, those who can open their doors... Geotag your tweets and use hashtag Port Overt to indicate safe places. Port ouvert, open door, was retweeted 760 times, translated for tourists into several different languages, and amplified by the international media. It swelled to over 800,000 tweets, allowing people, says Lapoix, who did not have a gun, who were not rescuers, who were not doctors, to help. Hundreds of people extended their trust, welcomed people into their homes, and built a spontaneous solidarity in the midst of the siege. Make room. It could begin with offering a plate or extending a welcome to ordinary people, frightened strangers like Jesus's parents. Or maybe it could go something like this. On a Tuesday evening in December of 2011, something happened at the Kmart in Indianapolis. A young father in worn-out boots stood in line at the layaway counter, his three children clinging to his legs. He asked to pay something towards their presents, hoping against hope he'd be able to bring them home for Christmas. And then a woman stepped up to the counter. Turning to him, she said, I'm paying for it. The man just stood there and looked at her and then looked at the woman behind the counter and asked if it was a joke. She told him he wasn't, and he burst into tears. The woman proceeded to pay off his order and the layaway orders of toys and children's clothing for 50 more families. Remaining anonymous, she said simply that she was doing it in memory of her husband, who had just died. Remember Ben, she said, transmuting her grief into joy. Edna Depp, the assistant manager, said it was like an angel fell out of the sky and appeared in our store. But that wasn't the end of it. Calls from other benefactors began to come in to Kmarts across the country. Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, Missouri, Montana. Kmart says they did nothing to instigate the secret Santas or spread the word of the generosity. There's no telling that the original, extraordinary gift inspired other gifts, but something got into the air. Carl Graf, assistant manager at the Omaha Kmart, said, you know, 50 bucks may not sound like a lot, but I tell you what, For some people, at the right time, it might as well be a million dollars. At his store, a stranger paid off the layaway bill for Lori Stern's four grandchildren. Lori says she and her husband live paycheck to paycheck, but now she plans to use the money she was saving for the toys to help pay for someone else's layaway. Be an angel. Pay it forward can we offer a meal open the door open our hearts and our wallets to someone less fortunate across the centuries can we heed the teaching of the young rabbi who said for I was hungry and you gave me food I was a stranger and you took me in can we choose to live as if it really were a commandment to love one another. This is a story from my childhood. One year, Robbie was cast as the innkeeper in the church's Christmas pageant. He was thrilled to be the innkeeper, um, but learning was hard for him. He spent the entire month of December memorizing his part, opening the door, saying, there's no room at the inn, and gesturing to the stable. He practiced doing this in a big, authoritative voice with a dramatic swing of his arm and a no-nonsense point to stage right. He went over and over and over it. And then it's Christmas Eve. The lights come down. Joseph and Mary make their way down the aisle and arrive at the inn. Knock, knock. The door opens and Robbie fills up the frame, poised for his big moment. We'd like to rent a room, says Joseph. There's no room at the inn, retorts Robbie in full character, gesturing definitively toward the stable. He nails it. He does it absolutely perfectly. Sadly, Joseph and Mary turn away, heads bowed with sorrow and fear. Robbie stares after them. There's a long pause, and then Robbie steps through the door. Wait! You can have my room! (laughs) There were some people who thought the Christmas pageant was ruined that year. What do you think? What about making room for forgiveness? If you've gotten really good at forgiveness, I'd really like to meet you. Abba Agathon, a desert monk of the early Christian church, said that when he sat down to pray, he was most likely to be distracted by unresolved anger, old grudges against those who'd wronged him, and schemes of retaliation and revenge. He said, and I love this, prayer is warfare to the last breath. In the late 1960s, Susie and Hector Black were working with the Quakers in a very poor neighborhood in Atlanta. An eight-year-old named Patricia came to play at their house to escape the chaos of a family fractured by alcoholism and poverty. She started spending the night on occasion, and then eventually she stayed for good and became their daughter. Trisha grew into a beautiful young woman, graduating with highest honors in art from Fisk University. She went on to earn a master's degree in library science and went to work in the children's room at the Atlanta Public Library with young people who were as neglected as she had been. One night, a crack addict broke into her home looking for things to steal. He tied her up. She told him where there was food, Food in the fridge, where to get help with his drug habit. He told her to put bars on the windows in the back of her house and always to leave a light on. And then he left. She must have thought she was safe. But later that night, he returned, out of his mind on crack, and killed her. Susie and Hector were devastated. Hector says... These visions of what had happened to Trish would come crashing in on me. They would come and haunt me no matter where I was or how beautiful it was around me. It was like he had control over me and was pushing my head in the mud. My first instinct was that he was a monster. He was no human being. He deserved no compassion from me. Then I wanted to know what? had made it possible for him to kill my child. Little by little, I learned about his life. His name was Ivan Simpson. He was born in a psychiatric hospital. Later, his mother tried to kill him. There was no one for this little boy. It wasn't that I was trying to excuse what he'd done, but I felt for him as another human being, suffering. In the courtroom, Hector was thankful that he's so hard of hearing, he couldn't hear a lot of what was said. Susie noticed they had a lot of friends who had come to support them. There was no one there for Ivan Simpson. No one. Hector was invited to make a statement. He said that Patricia wasn't their daughter by any claim of birth but by every claim of love, God's gift to their family. They had buried her on their farm. The words on her tombstone say, all the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. Hector concluded, I don't hate you, Ivan Simpson, but I hate with all my soul what you did to my daughter. And then he says, It was almost as if two hands were on my shoulders, and I turned around and faced him when I said my last words. I wish that we might find God's peace. And I wish this for you also, Ivan Simpson. And our eyes met for the first time, tears were streaming down his cheeks. I will never forget the look, like a soul in hell. As he was being led off to jail, life without parole, he asked to speak. Still in tears, he said, I'm so sorry for the pain I caused. And he said it again, I'm so sorry. That night, Hector couldn't sleep. Ivan was a man off the street, a man who had nothing, he thought, nothing but his apology. And with those words, he'd asked me to forgive him. Susie and Hector got together with other people who had lost loved ones to violence. One woman whose brother had been killed 15 years before was as angry as if it had happened yesterday. Hector says, I knew then that that was no way to live. When you hate, you take poison and expect the other person to die. Anger and revenge hold you in the past. Forgiveness can free you to the future. The blacks decided to visit Ivan in prison. It was something Hector says they needed to do. So we sat down together and talked for two and a half hours. Because I'm almost deaf, I was sitting very close to him. He was unshackled. When it got time for us to leave, he stood up, and I did too, and then we had our arms around one another. It was an unbelievable moment that I could have my arms around the man who murdered my child. But forgiveness is possible. Even for the worst among us. And I do believe, God knows, we all need forgiveness. Hector Black. Can we make room for forgiveness? Beloved spiritual companions, let's make room at the table and give thanks. Open the door to make room for strangers. Open our wallet. Be an angel. Pay it forward. Can we choose to live as if it really were a commandment to love one another? Let's toss the script and make room in our hearts. Let's make room in our lives to forgive. Let every heart Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.